What's up guys, this is Taking the Field with Stevie Mack and on this episode, a little bit later on in the show, we're going to finish up talking some Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse. Before that, we're going to get into the PLL announcing some of their digital numbers and streaming numbers to this point in the PLL season here in 2021. But to lead off the show in the Premier Lacrosse League, I've got one surprise from every team so far here to this point in the season. So going down the standing, starting with the Redwoods. My one surprise from them so far this year has been that they have the least number of turnovers in the league this season. So we've talked about the turnover problems with teams like the Chaos this year on the podcast, but the Woods struggled at the beginning of the season with turnover problems, it seemed like, and... Now they have the fewest turnovers in the league with, I believe they sit at 97 for the year, but most of the other teams in the league, if you look at it on the PLL website, I believe most, if not almost all outside the Redwoods are now up over a hundred for the season. So the Redwoods have definitely calmed it down with the turnover issues that, that really hurt them offensively. Those first couple games of the regular season for the water dogs, for me, it's the complete turnaround in play from guys like Dylan Ward and the defense in specific. The The Water Dogs now rank fourth defensively, as does their penalty kill. And while the goalie stats from, from Ward in, in specific are still last in the league, the Water Dogs defense and Ward a big part of that gave up only 13 combined goals in their two games just a couple weeks ago against both the cannons and the chrome for the atlas my one surprise is the rookies i mean you look at guys like danny logan he in the past several games has emerged as I think one of the better young short stick D mids in the league, a guy like Jake Carraway really helped carry the offense in the absence of Jeff Teat. And now that a guy like Jeff Teat has arrived, he's now tied for the team lead in points and he has the team lead in assists and he's played two less games in the process. And even if you want to throw in a guy like JD Colarusso, who's listed on the Atlas's team page as a rookie this year in the PLL, you can include him as well for his performance against the chaos and how well he played in that game. So again, the rookies to me, has been, have been the surprise for the Atlas because I don't think that many people thought the Atlas would be this good this fast. And I think in particular, some of these rookies being the kind of impact players that they've been for this club. But you even go back, Tucker Durkin said it uh, recently. He said that they didn't have their full game plan, their full arsenal implemented that first game against the Archers. And that loss really shook them up and it was really a wake-up call for that team to make those adjustments like I mentioned way back at the beginning of the year on the podcast. Being able to make those adjustments to improve game to game and really start to implement the things that they wanted to be able to do. And yeah, having a guy like Jeff Teat definitely helps in that regard once he arrived on the scene. But he, but he being Tucker Durkin even said, we didn't have our full complement of what we wanted to do in that game. And it really, it really hurt our ability to do much of anything in that game. So now you're starting to see that plan that Ben Rubior had 
is now starting to take shape and they're getting better each and every week. And like I said, the rookies, a big, big part of that. The whip snakes for me is the fallout from Matt Rambo. Now I mentioned before on the podcast that while the whip snakes are four and two and are very much, I think in the thick of things in terms of postseason seeding statistically they they have not been one of the more sound clubs here in 2021 they rank top four in faceoff percentage and power play in specific but their bottom half of the league in offense defense goaltending and penalty kill around the league so I think that what Rambo did was and I mentioned this on a past episode as well but what I think Rambo did was he hid some of the inefficiencies of this club and kind of clutched their way to wins where you can look at a game like week three against the Atlas when they won it in overtime in a game that I think you could argue the Atlas were possibly the better team that night or even Carlson's last second winner a few weeks ago where Maybe it's a case of the Whipsnakes have just been extremely lucky at times, and without Rambo, perhaps that luck is a little bit harder to come by. So for the Archers, my my biggest surprise has been the score differential that they've held this year, but more so focusing on the defense's role in that score differential. Now, you look at a guy like Grant Amon on offense, he has more assists than I think most players at his position have points. He has 18 assists and 26 total points. And a guy like Will Manny has 16 goals on the year, but the defense I think has played a major part in this Archers score differential in their, in their first three games of 2021, the Archers defense gave up just 7.33 goals a game while the offense on the other end of the field averaged over 15.6 goals a game which is more than double their scores against average in that same stretch and Adam Gittleman has been absolutely fantastic in the cage this year at 61% on saves and also has three points he has an assist and that two bomb at the end of the game in Baltimore just about a month ago And I think even after losing three consecutive games by one goal apiece, their score differential is still at plus 22, which is absolutely ridiculous to have. I think it's about the same, if not better, than what we saw from the Whipsnakes in the championship series in terms of score differentials. So even despite some of their their struggles these past few games and losing those close games in Cannon's fashion, as I've talked about before, their score differential is still just ridiculously good and probably one that I think will be hard to mimic in the future. For the Chrome, their surprise for me has been Jackson Morrill, and this isn't anything that's saying that he isn't a good player or I didn't expect him to play at a high level coming into the league, but it's more surprising that as a fourth round college pick this year, he now leads the Chrome in points with 15 and is shooting 45% on the year, which is the highest percentage on the team for a player with 10 or more shots taken, because you can look at a guy like Ryan Tarafanko, who's also a rookie is shooting 50%, but he's only taken four shots. So So Morrill leads the team in shooting percentage for players with 10 or more shots taken. So a lot bigger of a sample size in terms of shooting the ball. But his play, I think at times, has also carried the Chrome this year 
when guys like Justin Gutterding and Colin Heacock were slow to get going this season and they also sustained injuries to key players like Jordan Wolf, having a guy like Morrill kind of step up and say, I want the ball, I'm going to go score, I'm going to go make things happen. Having a guy like that on your team, especially as a rookie, is definitely a big boost to your club. For the chaos, my one surprising thing is their struggles at certain aspects of the game like face-off and offense in particular. The chaos are seventh at the stripe at 39% on the year and have only had one game really where the stripe went in their favor, which was against the Cannons a few weeks ago. And Max Adler was over 60% in that game. Offensively, the chaos are also ranked seventh and there's six goals behind the next best team. And you look at the game against the Atlas, against a backup goalie in the cage in J.D. Colarusso, and the Chaos were held scoreless for almost 24 whole minutes of game action in that game. So just, again, you see the, the struggle that they have at the faceoff, and that leads to some struggles offensively where the few times they actually get possession on offense, they're not always capitalizing on those opportunities. And you really saw that come to fruition against a team like the Atlas where they struggled to win faceoffs against Baptiste and then the few times they did get the ball offensively they really had a hard time doing anything with it against that Atlas defense and the great job that a guy like JD Colarusso did against them in the cage. And then for the Cannons, my surprise so far this season has been Paul Rabel and the way that he's played to this point in 2021. He is the points leader at the midfield on Cannons and is second overall in the team in points to Lyle Thompson. And you even look at some of the more hustle plays that he's made with things like ground balls, a, a very good statistic when measuring a guy's level of hustle. He's had six He's at a six-point game and, a, and two three-point games, but like I said with the ground balls, he's also tallied at least one ground ball in all but one game, and that being their last game against the Archers. So he's not only making plays, you know, putting up goals, making assists when they're there to be made, you know, making that extra pass, but he's also making hustle plays, getting to loose balls, putting it on the line, really doing whatever it takes to help his team win. So he's really been a surprise uh, for me this year. But coming up in segment two, like I said, top of the show, we're going to talk about the PLL viewership and some of their social numbers that they released this morning on Twitter for, the, for this point in the 2021 season. But you're listening to Taking the Field with Stevie Mack. Welcome back. Taking the field with Stevie Max. Segment two of three on the show. I mentioned at the top of the show a little bit later on, we'll get into some athletes unlimited lacrosse getting underway here. July 23rd will be the first ever games played in the athletes unlimited in the athletes unlimited league. Excuse me. But to get to this topic segment two, we're going to talk about PLL viewership. They released the ratings numbers here this morning on Twitter. The PLL is seeing some major numbers boosts across things like streaming TV and their social media channels on NBCSN. Their ratings are up 30% from 2019 as a whole. And the all-star game itself this year 
draw drew in 391,000 fans, which is the second highest viewed game in league history. And through week five, they're up 165% in minutes live streaming on Peacock compared to the entire 2019 season, which back then was on NBC Sports Gold. And he and this year compared to 2021 with the championship, or excuse me, 2020 with the championship series, they're up 85% in live streaming uh, this season. And not only that, not in just terms of of watching the games and streaming the games on TV and on Peacock, but they've actually sold more tickets at this point in 2021 than all of 2019 combined. So more people are not only watching the games on TV, but they're actually more people are actually spending money to go to the games and watch it in person. I can be included in that as well as I went to Baltimore back in week three. And their total social media impressions sit at 226 million for the season, with I believe it was 58 million coming off Instagram alone. So we've talked about it before on the podcast, and it's also a major talking point on lacrosse Twitter is finding ways to engage with more people to put the sport of lacrosse in front of their eyes and get them engaging with the sport and the people around the sport. And what you're seeing from the PLL is that social media is a great way to gain a following and to gain viewership around your product, whatever that is. And in this case, it's the sport of lacrosse and more specifically at the professional level. And even just giving an example on a smaller scale, a couple months ago, I posted a video on TikTok and got 5 million views on it, almost 6 million views now on it. And I felt like I did absolutely nothing to earn that sort of attention on a platform like TikTok. It was super easy to do. And, and I almost had to laugh at, at how many views it was getting for something that just seemed so basic. And, and it wasn't even lacrosse related, if I'm being honest. But I think also making the games more accessible to watch on TV, like I've said before, or in this case, streaming services like Peacock, because let's face it, everybody nowadays is streaming online and, and on things like Peacock, Netflix, Hulu, different things like that, Disney Plus, another one. But being able to make the games more accessible to watch wherever people are watching is is really important to growing the sport of lacrosse because having games on NBC and, and their family of networks is proving to be extremely beneficial. We just went over the numbers a few seconds ago on that, but it's it's proving very beneficial over something that's a little more homegrown by the league itself, kind of like a PLL network of sorts where it would consist of things like streaming on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, even Twitch if they wanted to go that route, where, for example, a a semi-pro sports league uh, near me does that, where they have their own network, so to speak, where it's on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook, and things like that, and they draw in a pretty decent audience per game. I'd say probably around 1,300 uh, viewers per game. So so not terrible numbers, but again, when you're talking about something like professional lacrosse, like a league, like the PLL, having something like NBC to work with in terms of a streaming partner is absolutely huge for the league and the sport itself. 
So I think really when you look at it, the PLL does a great job with its digital content behind the ideas of people like RJ Kaminsky and the work that he does each and every PLL weekend with the game day vlog and things like that. Or even just some of the more traditional things like the interviews and the features that they do promoting the league or its athletes and coaches and really telling the story behind the game and the people that are involved with it, especially at this high of a level. And even doing something like podcasting with things like the inside feed will help promote the league as well since podcasting has a worldwide reach over the internet. Even this podcast is is viewed all over the world in in many different countries and even here in the U.S. it's all over the place in several different states and some notable cities within those states. So again, it's 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 a worldwide thing. Taking advantage of things like streaming and social media and things like that is is very essential when growing a league like this and getting it in front of as many people as humanly possible. So it's no surprise to me that the PLL has actually been nominated for the work that they've done to this point as a league, especially several of them coming in the social media arena. And I think that they'll look to continue that level of work into the future because the the future of lacrosse at any level, not just the pro level, but at any level is... I think really in good hands with the PLL leading the charge and and kind of showing people how it can be done from a from a streaming standpoint, from a social media standpoint, from a from a marketing standpoint, just everything that goes into it showing what the future of pro sports can and probably will be in the next couple of years. So we got one more segment we're going to hit on. Like I said, we're going to talk some Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse getting underway this weekend. July 23rd is when it all kicks off. So we'll get into some of the specifics on that. Plus, I got a couple comments from you guys as well on Twitter at Stevie Mac Media. So we'll get to those to round out the show. But you're listening to Taking the Field with Stevie Mac. Welcome back. Taking the field with Stevie Mac. Final segment of the show here on a Thursday. We're still in a bye week for the PLL. But I said before the break, I wanted to get to this Athletes Unlimited women's lacrosse stuff. We're going to break it down a little bit, give you the information that you need to know ahead of the opening weekend here on July 23rd. So it's a new league from Athletes Unlimited. They also have softball and volleyball as well within the Athletes Unlimited umbrella. So now they're going to add women's lacrosse here this summer after the WPLL folded last summer when COVID-19 hit. So now they move over to Athletes Unlimited and they're going to play there. And really it's Athletes Unlimited to me is is very innovative in the way that they play their games and the same can be said for softball and volleyball as well. This isn't just exclusive to women's lacrosse, but the best way that I can describe it is real life fantasy sports in a sense because in each game players can earn or lose points based on their performance. So things like goals and assists Um, will earn you points whereas things like turnovers will lose you points even for some even for the goalies things like um, goals against will count against their points as well 
And the teams can actually earn points as well for each quarter that they win based on score. Or if you wanted to go to things like softball, each inning that they win or with volleyball, each set that they win, I believe is points towards your team. But here for for lacrosse, it's going to be every quarter that you win by score is going to be points to your team for your overall score. And when I say it's innovative is that each week the teams are going to change. So each week, captains will pick new teams, and the captains are consisting of the previous week's top four individual point earners, whoever they may be. They'll rank them one through four, and those are your captains for that next week in the Athletes Unlimited lacrosse schedule. So those captains will then pick their teams. So now you're talking about new teams, new rosters, new captains, like all new every single week, which I think is going to be really interesting to see. And it's going to really keep things fresh, keep things interesting, make things excited, more competitive. And even some of the rules are slightly altered to make the pace of the game a bit faster and I think more enjoyable for the players to participate in and for us as viewers to watch as well. So it's going to be 10 on 10 with a 60 second shot clock and they're going to play on a 90 by 60 yard field. And going back to that conversation we had in, in segment two about the, the streaming and where to watch games with the PLL. Having the ability to watch games from Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse is going to be absolutely huge this summer because they're going to have their games all over the place. They're going to have seven games on CBS Sports. They're going to have 15 games on Fox Sports 1 and Fox Sports 2, also known as FS1 and FS2. And they're going to have the other eight games streaming live on Facebook and YouTube as well. So it'll be interesting that the Facebook and YouTube streams in specific will be then archived, obviously, through things like the YouTube channel, so you can go back and watch those games on replay at any time. But but having the ability to stream your games and be present on a platform like CBS Sports, like FS1 and FS2, is going to be absolutely huge with getting this, this league with Athletes Unlimited and their brand, but also getting pro women's lacrosse in front of as many viewers as humanly possible is going to be absolutely exciting to see here this summer. And then you look at who's going to be calling the games. Having a guy like Joe Beninati on play-by-play is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be a great watch this summer. And I think that for me as a lacrosse broadcaster myself, he has the kind of resume that I hope to have someday, and I'll definitely be tuning in if for no other reason than to to listen to him call the action this summer, because especially since I'm a women's lacrosse broad, broadcaster as well, excuse me, I hope to to learn something by listening to him call the games and and really enjoying the the broadcast product that things like CBS Sports, FS1, FS2 will be able to put out for this league. So again, I think that this is a big, big summer for pro lacrosse when, when talking about Athletes Unlimited and what they're doing with the women's game and what the PLL is now capable of doing taking the men's game into the future as well. So getting to some of your final thoughts here on the episode, just some general comments that I received this morning on Twitter at Stevie Mac media is my Twitter handle. Coach Shrek says 
what position would Giannis play in lacrosse? So in honor of the NBA Finals wrapping up a few nights ago and the Milwaukee Bucks winning their first NBA championship in over 50 years, he wants to know what position would Giannis play in lacrosse? I feel like given his his size and athleticism and, and the long arms and legs that he possesses I feel like he'd be a good fit as an LSM if I'm being completely honest just having that long pole in his hands but also having the long reach that he possesses and like I said just the the athletic ability that he possesses he'd be a very tough guy to go against as an LSM but I could also see him being just a regular two-way midi as well kind of having that bigger physical body kind of like a Miles Jones type where he can get up and down the field and make plays at both ends. But yeah, he really, to me, comes across as an LSM type. And he also says, which team benefits benefits the most from two weeks off? I think really, to, to put it simply, it's the teams that have key injuries or even a team that may be piling up some names on that injury report from before the All-Star break. So a team like the Chaos, we're not really sure what the issue is with Blaze Reardon. He did get banged up a little bit in their game against the Atlas a few weeks ago. So you hope that with the time off that he's able to get back out there for the Chaos down the stretch. And the same can be said about the Atlas with Jack Kincannon having that groin injury a few weeks ago. Hopefully they can get him back for this stretch run. They've got three games remaining on their schedule as they're right in the thick of things in the postseason race. So yeah, I think the biggest thing as far as who benefits most from the time off is the guys currently listed on that injury report, giving them a little bit extra time to get their bodies right and come back healthy to help make that push towards the postseason. And then Brian says, the amazing at AU Pro Sports, talking about Athletes Unlimited, TV deal, easily accessible, CBS Sports will be watched this weekend. Yeah, and and I just said that. Even comparing it with the ability of the PLL to stream their games and and to have something like NBC Sports partnering with them to, to broadcast their games, being able to have your product, have your league represented on something like CBS Sports for seven games and on FS1, FS2 for another 15 games, there's going to be 30 games overall. Over half their games are going to be on one of those two major networks in either Fox Sports or CBS. That is absolutely huge, especially given that this is the first go-around for Athletes Unlimited Lacrosse. And I think that given the innovative way that they go about playing their games is also, I think, going to attract more people to it because it's a different style, it's a different way of looking at the sport of lacrosse in terms of the individual player points, the team points, redrafting teams every week with new captains. Just everything that goes into it is going to be very, very new. It's going to be very exciting, very energetic, Energetic, I think, and it's going to attract a lot of people to it. 
So that'll do it for this episode of Taking the Field with Stevie Mac. Make sure to like, comment, and share on this post as always. Let me know what you think about this Athletes Unlimited lacrosse season that's about to get underway. July 23rd is when that'll take place. Let me know what you guys think about the upcoming schedules in the PLL as we make our way towards the postseason. But that'll do it for me. I'll talk to you guys later. Thank you.